0: on the COVID-19 front and in fact I would say it's excellent news for the Sooners we got a couple of recruiting updates we we want to cover in fact we've got some breaking news maybe that's going to take place during the recording of this podcast that we're keeping tabs on and then look we got to talk preseason season media days have been postponed but the all big 12 team is out so we got some thoughts thoughts on all that as well as a pretty much all football edition and almost all Oklahoma football edition of True or False this week. What's up, everybody? I'm Matt Hofeld along with Rich DeCray. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. We are thankful that you're here for the ride with us, and we greatly appreciate those of you that reach out to us on Twitter at Sports Heartland or shoot us an email, heartland-sports at yahoo.com. We can be found on the internet, heartland-sports.com. Let's jump into this. The latest round of testing for Oklahoma football shows that not only are there zero new positive results. So second week in a row, no new positive results. And now there are zero active cases amongst the Oklahoma football program. So you had your first round of testing on July 1st, second round, July 8th, third round, July 15th. And as of July 15th, those results, Oklahoma COVID-free now, Rich, here's my question uh, about this. I think it's enough now. Now, last week, it was enough to make us hopeful. Is this week enough to make us confident in the fact that what Oklahoma is doing with their protocols is working? or do you need do you need like a month of samples
1: rather than just two weeks? i me personally, I, I don't I would never jump on the side of saying we need a month's worth of results. Here's why. I believe that what these programs are attempting to do is to put their players in a bubble, very similar to what we're seeing the NBA do. Those players are on campus. I get that it's voluntary. I get that it's it's workouts. There's not a whole lot going on in terms of what we're hoping to see, which would be leading up to that season, as well as the practices that would be leading up to the season, or even some kind of recreation of the spring game that Fans may potentially be invited to. I, I, I get that we're not seeing that. Mm-hmm. All right. And as I said, I get that it's just the workouts. I don't need a month because, as I have mentioned, I feel as though the programs across the country, it's not just the University of Oklahoma, have essentially put their players in a bubble. And they have been self-contained. So when you hit that number of zero, you know that things are moving in the right direction. And you know that it leans heavily towards being able to step onto the field as a singular unit, as a singular team, and compete against another team that has lived in a very similar bubble and has also posted that number of zero.
0: Right. And this is why I think it makes – and and I understand that the big the big question mark here is – well, there's no students are on campus. I mean, you got football players on campus, you got trainers and staff and coaches on on campus. But for the most part, the Oklahoma the school's not open yet, so they right. haven't had the official move-in day. So you you don't have twenty thousand people on campus right now. So I get that, that that might change things. I understand that. But when you when you look at Oklahoma, when they did their first sets of, set of uh you know results, there was fourteen. So you had a total of 16 cases on the team that have all recovered. And the, the last two weeks, zero new cases. And then this week, again, zero new cases and zero active cases. So if Oklahoma can do that and they can maintain that, why can't Missouri State? Why can't Tennessee? Why can't
1: Army? Right. We've already hit the two-week mark, which I think is a huge milestone that we can't overstayed enough here on this podcast. We talk about the um, development of symptoms, typically taking a four or or happening, I should say, within a 14 day window. We've surpassed that 14 day window. Anyone who is going to be exposed to COVID-19 has already been exposed. That's on campus. That's working in close relation with the team. We saw, what was it? 98 players were tested as well as all of the staff. So in that two-week period, symptoms should have developed. Again, I, I feel pretty confident in maintaining that statement of saying, I don't need a month's worth of testing just to verify what I believe that I already know because that number is at zero. Now, when you begin to introduce X into the equation, some unknown, as you've mentioned, students, of course, you're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to change your methodology. You may even have to look at what are some of the other options to, to limit those exposures because schools have not set, they, they they have an idea of what they're going to be doing in the fall, and I know that college campuses have an idea of what they're going to, going to be doing in the fall as well. But that may change change once we get into September, once we get closer, as those enrollees are expecting to move into campus, etc.
0: Right, and, and the point I'm making is if Oklahoma can can show a, show a consistent model, and I'm I'm confident. The University of Oklahoma is not the only team out there that's got their their players down to zero active cases and are maintaining that way. And, you know, there's always a chance that someone else will pop at at some point. But the point I'm making is why is why is the Pac-12 and the Big Ten canceling non-conference games this far out when clearly there are indicators that it's possible to keep your players healthy? Mm -hmm. that's that's the whole point i'm making and and the reason i'm doing that because it bridges us into the next topic is that today we we record this on wednesday july 16th today the big 12 announced that they're pushing back the big 12 media days to august now you know this this was your reply to me when i said hey do you see big 12 media days got pushed back your reply was what
1: i asked isn't wasn't it intended to be a virtual? Right. So it's all, it's yeah, all it's a, a all virtual done, setting, a virtual yeah, conference,
0: all done on co- online, probably through Zoom or something like that. So they don't have to secure a, a building and keep it right. You know, sanitary and 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 you know, make sure that no one can come in there that's not been tested or whatever. So it's not it's not an issue with location. It's not an issue with the teams. What this tells me is at this point the Big Twelve doesn't know what it's doing. So you've got Oklahoma petitioning to move their season up. We'll get in that in just a minute. Oklahoma petitioning to move their season up a week. And the Big 12 basically saying on July 16th, we don't really know what we're doing. And that's the whole reason you're moving Big 12 media days back. It's, there's, there's, I don't know. There's not really been, in my opinion, a good excuse or a good reason given for this move. But the underlining reason is the Big 12 just doesn't know. And I'm okay with that. I don't think it's enough reason for panic. I do think it's enough reason for concern when you think about, okay, are we going to have a full slate of games? Are we going to have only conference games or is the whole season going to move to the spring? Mm -hmm. And, and I know there's growing popularity for spring football, But I think people have to understand the disastrous consequences that a spring football season would bring on their campuses. So what that means is for if you move across the board, you move, you move like junior colleges are doing this. Junior colleges have already announced spring football. So what does that do for junior college recruits? Dewan Warren, a guy that Oklahoma is in on, the top junior college cornerback right now available he's a heavy lean for the Sooners he could be on campus in Norman for spring ball or he can stay in junior college and play I mean that that's a no-brainer you you surely you get a year of eligibility back right if they move your season to the spring and, and you decide to leave and go division one, yeah,
1: if the, if the NCAA makes a unilateral decision as such, they would have to give that year of eligibility.
0: Well, I'm, I'm just talking about just if, no, 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 if, if that, NCAA keeps it saying. in the fall and junior college moves to the spring, DeWan Warren, if he comes in the spring to OU for spring ball, he's, gotcha. there's no way he should lose a year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So you got that conundrum. You got to figure out. Also, if division one across the board, these power five conferences move their teams, move everything to the spring, what that means is you're not going to have some spring sports. What that, that means is at some of these universities, you're not going to have softball. At some of these universities, you're not going to have track and field. At some of these universities, you're not going to have women's basketball. Some of you may not have men's basketball. The The, the economic impact of something along this line of, of losing, they've already, we, we already know, we know this. It's fact. Big 12 is in the hole university of Oklahoma itself, $14 million in the hole in the athletic department. So there's no way you're going to move things back to the spring and not have to make major cuts across the board. And, and if you got to do it, you got to do it. But I think the, the, the rational thing is to find a way to make it happen in the fall. If you have to cut out non-conference games, then cut out non-conference games, but you got to have football in the fall. Otherwise, there will be, again, drastic consequences. Think about it from this perspective. Let's, let's, let's say you're a Trevor Lawrence, right? And suddenly football is pushed back to the spring. You know what else happens in the spring? The NFL draft. So if you're Trevor Lawrence, and you know you're probably going to be one of the top, if not the top pick in the April's NFL draft, are you playing college football? Think about how much that would change the landscape of college football. We talk about Ohio State and how loaded Ohio State is. You're you're Trey Sermon and you're you're gonna be an NFL draft pick. You've already had some injuries in your collegiate career, but you know, you know you're gonna be drafted. So do you risk it one more time with Ohio State? If you're Justin Fields, do you do you risk it when you know you're gonna get drafted? Mm-hmm. So there there were are going to be drastic consequences that cost a lot of money and when you suddenly you think about this you take Trevor Lawrence you take Justin Fields just those two guys you take them out of the landscape for college football 2021 2020 I mean how, how many eyeballs do you lose on the national perspective cuz suddenly Clemson and Ohio State are no longer the top contenders I I'm just I'm just saying there's not that it won't happen, but there's, I feel like there's, there's a pushback against rational thought towards trying to make a fall season happen. It may not happen, but I think the spring absolutely is the last resort. And I think as fans, we need to be patient and understand that if, if football can happen in the fall, and if, even if it happens in the fall without fans, it's still better across the board than waiting until the spring.
1: Why has the idea—and I'm alluding to something that we're about to talk about here because, Matt, we've talked previously about the Oklahoma Sooners proposal mm-hmm. to begin the season a week earlier, which would then put a bye week between each of their non-conference games. Where, where is the idea— instead of condensing the season to happen between September or even October, if we're canceling non-conference portion of the schedule, October and the beginning of December, instead of condensing it as such, why couldn't we elongate that season even and say, let's put a week in between every single game that's going to be played. We've previously mentioned on this podcast alone that 14-day development of symptoms mm-hmm. even if you're asymptomatic in, in carrying it those tests are going to be performed routinely throughout the throughout the year i would assume not just the season Yeah multiple but, times a week but throughout the year and so all of a sudden there i i do believe that there are numerous ideas that may not be popular, that may really not gain any traction, like I've mentioned, putting the week between, a bye week between every single game. That's not going to be popular. That's not going to gain a lot of traction. I get that because games will be played all the way through January if we do it as such. Anyway, I'm just saying there are numerous ideas that haven't really been explored, and then to jump to the idea of a spring football season, you've hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of the big names will bow out in the spring. There's too much at risk. Absolutely. I believe when, and there are numerous examples that we could use. Tua Tagovailoa was expected to be the number one overall draft pick. You see an injury happen in his, his, well, I guess the final two seasons of his career at Alabama, Still a top 10 pick, but he slipped well beyond that number one slot that everyone expected him to go at.
0: Right. Yep, absolutely. Okay, Big 12 uh, preseason rankings are out. We've got to talk about that and a lot more, including some commitments that are going to be coming up here in the next two weeks. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. All right, well, the Big 12 preseason all-conference team is out and surprise 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 once again for like the 30th year in a row or at least it feels that way Sam ellinger the preseason all big 12 quarterback um just i've got thoughts on that that would just take us way down the road uh that maybe some of us would enjoy going down that road but it's just not going to fit our our agenda for today Uh, Oklahoma has Charleston Rambo, Creed Humphrey, Adrian Ely, a little bit of a surprise pick for me, but I'm, I'm, I I totally get it. I didn't realize the rest of the conference got it, but Adrian Ely, uh, and then Ronnie Perkins and Gabe Burkett. Um, I never pronounce his right, his name, right, but whatever. Um, you nailed it. Did I? Um, yeah, Berkic. You got this. Five, five players on the uh, on the all-conference team. Texas also has five players on the all-conference team. But Oklahoma also has Spencer Rattler tabbed as the preseason Big 12 Newcomer of the Year, making him the sixth sooner to receive a preseason accolade. And that makes Oklahoma has more preseason accolades than any other team in the Big 12. But look, on, on just on the surface here, you look at this, Oklahoma and Texas tied with five players each on the first team. That should say that Oklahoma and Texas will be meeting up for the Big 12 championship. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I want to know your answer, but I have like, on my confidence meter, how how confident am I that Oklahoma and Texas are going to be playing in the Big 12 championship? I, I'm, a, I'm about a
1: 20%. So where are you? I don't. I don't even know that I would put it at twenty percent. So you're lower. Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit when I when I look at this list, Matt, and you're equating five and five, saying that they're the the most talented rosters. Right. Exactly. I, I can't disagree with that. I do believe that Texas annually puts a a talented roster. On the field. Now, what they do with that talent is vastly different than what a program like the Oklahoma Sooners have done over just even if we want to look at the past decade here, that becomes extremely evident. Texas, though, has a lot of changes. They've got some turmoil, I believe, that's happening in the locker room that is going to be working against them. When they begin to take the field, if we take the field this fall, They're going to have to work through a lot of those issues, and it's going to have to be done in real time. How many times have we seen players simply give up in the middle of a game on a guy like a Tom Herman leading the University of Texas out onto the field? It's happened. And I believe again, Texas is going to have to sort through a lot of that before the season begins. It's why the last time you and I got together, we talked about the Big Twelve rankings by team and mm-hmm. what two four seven Sports put out, and it had Texas number finishing fourth right. in the conference.
0: And I have a lot more confidence in that than I do Oklahoma Texas and Texas in the Big Twelve. And that's
1: why I say you look at you look at the teams that are out there. This is going to be a very heavy quarterback year in the Big Twelve. But you're losing a lot of defensive tackles. So I'm wondering, is is the run game going to pick up ever so slightly as well? Are we going to see some of the defenses begin to struggle with the caliber of quarterback plus replacing a lot of their the center of their defensive lines? Are we going to see teams struggle and are we going to see those numbers increase, Texas being one of those potentially, which then... All of a sudden, we're looking at Iowa State. We're looking at Oklahoma State and any surprise dark horse that may insert their name into the equation for the Big 12 championship. But I do believe Oklahoma has the of course they're the odds on favorite. So I believe they have the best chances of getting there until someone knocks them off. They'll have to prove me otherwise. Needless to say, Texas is not that number two team for me.
0: No, I agree. Um, and you you made a good point about running backs. You know, think about this. Oklahoma, Davy O'Brien Award, um, the Big 12 has like half of the quarterbacks, five quarterbacks on the Davy O'Brien Award. And then Oklahoma has Kennedy Brooks uh, on the award for the Doak Walker as well as four other uh, – was it four other? Let's say there's Chuba Hubbard, Brees Hall, yeah, Keontae Ingram, and the – Thompson kid. What's it? So Roderick Thompson from Texas, Texas tech. tech yeah. So you got half of the big 12 with a quarterback, half of the big 12 with a running back. And then the Blitnikoff is coming out and you got Tylen Wallace. you got the Kohler kid out of Iowa state. You've got obviously Charleston Rambo from Oklahoma. This is the, the big 12. And I wonder, this kind of a sidebar thing. When, when you think about the, the amount of progress that Oklahoma made defensively under Alex Grinch last year, This, this will be a reloaded offensive season for the big 12, meaning across the board, offenses will be better than they were in 2019. So Alex Grinch may have a tougher or a taller task this year than what he had last year in his first year. If these offenses Hang, pan out the way they
1: they do. What no one's talking about when it comes to Texas is this: the lack of dominant skill position players. I think they lost a lot well, of talent last year. Well, you say nobody's talking about that. I've been screaming about that since since the season ended. Then the biggest question mark for Texas is going to be that receiver, talking about the Bolitnikoff Award. Right. Who is Sam Ellinger going to throw to in this new offense that's expected to really lean heavily into that passing game for the foreseeable future? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, um, recruiting wise, it's been pretty quiet since, um, since Kato Williams did his 4th of July announcement. That's, that's been roughly, you know, nine, 10 days ago, based on when you, this podcast drops, but it's about to pick up again. Um, Damon Harmon and, um, Kendall Kendall Daniels, Daniels both are going to announce on, uh, on August 1st. Now, Kevin, Gilliam, we're Kelvin Gilliam. We're watching him right now because in sometime in the next 15 minutes, he's dropping some sort of recruiting update. I think it's going to be like a top three or top five type thing that's going to be dropping before we finish recording this podcast. So when that drops, we're going to share it with you. But then also, Prophet Brown just announced that he is going to be announcing on July 20th. So where it's been slow for nine to ten days, it's going to start picking up again based on what Gilliam says here. And and Gilliam could be also saying, hey, I'm going to announce on August 1st as well, because what I think this has been talked about across the board. But you may not know this, but Damon Harmon and Gilliam are buddies. They've been they've been playing football together since somewhere around the fifth grade. And they've, they've said, hey, we want to play college ball together. Harmon is a a heavy lean Towards the University of Oklahoma, we also know that Kendall Daniels. I told you guys a, a while back. I feel like he's a lock to come to the University of Oklahoma. Gilliam could be coming in with that group as well, and Prophet Brown. Those are all. I mean, that, that's four guys, realistically, who could be making a commitment to the University of Oklahoma within the next three weeks, and that's going to suddenly see a spike where it's been. You know, we talked about last week on this podcast. Where are all Caleb Williams' friends? You know, he was supposed to have this army of guys, and it was him and Latrell McCutcheon, and there's been quiet. I think the quietness is like the calm before the storm right now.
1: Can we also point out that all three of the names that you've mentioned at this point in time are on the defensive side of the ball? Absolutely, because you know
0: what Joe Fan says every time we post on social media? Well, does he play defense? If he doesn't play defense, we're not interested right now. Right? Well, when- you need to start, if, you, if that's you, you need to start paying attention because this is a heavy.
1: Heavy defensive class. One of the things that Caleb Williams talked about in his most recent Sports Illustrated blog post was the the ability to recruit specifically at Oklahoma to recruit offensive players is is ever so slightly I'll use those terms instead of exactly what he said ever so slightly easier to recruit than defenders. It, it makes you wonder is Caleb Williams. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, is he looking at what has been the weakness for this Oklahoma Sooners team? Let me not label it as as a weakness, um, but let me label it as the one thing that's been keeping Oklahoma from getting over the hump that is the college football playoff semifinal. How many times has Oklahoma gotten there and the, the defense has been the thing that has let fans, let the team down can Mm -hmm. can i say it's let them Mm -hmm. down or should i say that has failed to produce at the level that many expected it to once meeting stiffer competition specifically that sec competition that everybody likes to bash left and right here in the big 12 saying that they don't have to face the caliber of quarterback they don't have to face the caliber of i I don't know that i would say receiver but the duo of the running backs etc you you could use it all if you really wanted to when Oklahoma's met those teams, they've simply fallen flat on the defensive side of the ball, even in games that they should have won. Think of Baker Mayfield against that Georgia team. 100%. That was a winnable game. Right. Well, and so, in, yeah. Yeah, all I'm asking here, Matt, is... Is Caleb Williams saying, I recognize that this is this has been the one thing that's held this the university I'm planning to go to. Mm-hmm. It's been the one thing that's holding them back. So let me be a pro- part of that solution. Let me work my tail off and get the players on campus that will get Oklahoma over that hurdle.
0: Right. And it it, it shows the, the maturity of Caleb Williams and it shows the influence. Because well, you talk about La- Latrell McCutcheon. Why did he pick Oklahoma? He could have gone to Alabama. He was committed to Alabama. He decommitted to come to Oklahoma. Why? He wants to, in his own words, I want to change the culture. I want to be a part of changing the defensive culture at the University of Oklahoma. And I think if you look at 2017, 2018, Oklahoma wasted the best offense in the nation on a bad
1: defense. That's three years in a row.
0: Well— I don't think 2019 you could say, and maybe you can make an argument for 16, but for sure 17 and 18 best offense in the country wasted on, on, on defense, um, on bad defense. And I think Kenneth Williams sees that, Hey, I want to go to the NFL. I, I know Oklahoma is the best shot for me to get to the NFL. I see what Lincoln Riley is doing with quarterbacks. I know what he can do with me in three, three years, four years, mm-hmm. maybe, but, I need help. I want to win. Why I'm there. So hey, let's McCutcheon. Hey, uh, Damon Harmon. Uh, you guys, can you come help me? And it's working. And because uh, I'll tell you, another name is is the Gilliam guy. He's he's connected to Harmon. They've been buddies. But Gilliam has talked about the Caleb Williams influence and how tempting it is to go play at the University of Oklahoma. Not because they're a defensive juggernaut, but because Caleb Williams is going there.
1: And, Those are his words, not mine. And Gilliam, no doubt, has been in some kind of connection relationship with Caleb Williams, right? Because regionally, uh, they're very close. D.C. to Richmond, Virginia, not that far. There are times. Yeah, they've I, done
0: they've done camps together. Was, they've done something I was going to right. say there
1: are times that their paths have crossed. Undoubtedly, and you can bet, not all relationships that are formed are good. Some of them manifest themselves in a hatred for one another. I continuously think back to how I thought Oklahoma could have potentially had Julio Jones and then didn't because of another commitment, Josh Jarbo. And
0: that worked out well for the Sooners as well. Right. <laughs> All right. So we got more Caleb Williams news to talk about as well as a bunch of other stuff. Monitoring uh, Kelvin Gilliam should be an announcement coming up here shortly. As soon as that breaks, we'll include it on the podcast and uh, let you know what's up to it. Again, my opinion, it's either going to be a commitment date or it's going to be a top three, top five. Sooner Nation podcast. You know, there is one more thing on the recruiting front to keep an eye on is that Oklahoma will be. We're recording this on Wednesday. Thursday, Oklahoma is going to pick up another defensive recruit uh, on the defensive secondary. I don't want to say his name. The the kind of stories are leaked out ahead of the... I feel bad for kids when they're in this situation because they trust people in the media and they tell them what they're going to do and then the media runs with it. So the story is out there. If you want to jump on Twitter and look it up, you can find it. But Oklahoma is going to pick up another defensive recruit on Thursday. Kudos to this kid. I, I hate it that this story got
1: out, but let him have his moment. You know what I'm saying? He could totally pick another school now, make them look like absolute fools. He could do that, but I then doubt. Then decommit it. later and commit <laughs> elsewhere, right? Um, if if the story holds true, it'll be interesting because I I'm the kind of person who says you've stole my thunder. I'm gonna make you look like a fool. Well, even yeah. even if for just five minutes, I'm gonna make yeah. you look play the part of the fool.
0: Yeah, the paper probably deserves that. I just I hate it. Let let the kids have the moment. It's the only time they get to do that. But look look for that on Thursday. We'll have we'll have everything on Thursday. But if you got to if you got to know if you got to know right now, then just go to Twitter and, and you'll find it pretty easy. But a uh, a top defender, um, g- a good a good good pickup. So Caleb Alex Williams, Lynch. Rich, y- you mentioned him in his latest blog post and what he's talking about as far as recruiting on the defensive side of the football. But to me, the biggest nugget that he dropped in that blog post journal on Monday was that he may be coming to Norman way sooner Mm -hmm. than possible. You know, people are talking about, would you be an early enrollee, you know, be here for the spring. And he's like, Hey, um, so here's the story. If I have to do class online all year long, I'm moving to Norman. And he he made it clear he's going to be here on his own dime, but he wants to get acclimated to the, the community, know his way around campus, know his way around town, find out where the good sandwich shops are, stay away from Pickerman's, go to fuzzies. Um, and then um, he also talked about getting to know his teammates. So I do this I, again, because there, there's that when he made the announcement on 4th of July, there was two reactions. First reaction was from the Sooner fan base. Woohoo. Yay. We got him. Everybody knew it's coming. Second reaction was from like the Texas fan base and the Maryland fan base and the LSU fan base and other fan bases, OSU fan base. Well, there's no way he's going to stay. Either him or Spencer Rattler is going to transfer out, you know, because They they can't fathom. I mean, this is Texas has had to deal with Sam Ellinger for four years now, and they think that's the best you can get at quarterback. And here's Oklahoma. You got Spencer Rattler, number one quarterback. You got Kenneth Williams, number one quarterback. And it's literally mind-blowing to people that Oklahoma can pull this off. They're going to pull it off. And if this kid's talking about moving to Norman before he graduates high school, there's zero chance he's going to decommit, in my opinion.
1: I agree with that wholeheartedly. Why... Begin to make plans if you you don't intend to act on them. There's been a long process for Caleb Williams. I think, as you've mentioned and alluded to at this point, that he had his mind made up well before his actual commitment date. 100%. Well before July 4th. It was the maintaining of the blog, maintaining of the interest, the following, and actually adding people to that. Because when we look at college football players, one of the things that isn't heavily considered until very recently was where can I go that will help me build my brand? Well, guess what? For Caleb Williams, it wasn't a school that was helping him build his brand. It was Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. And he would have been absolutely foolish not to take that opportunity or to cut it short by committing well, well earlier than what he did. When I look at Caleb Williams, when I look at the potential for him to enroll, I know that he won't be able to, I, I say enroll, let me rephrase that. When I look at Caleb Williams and I look at him coming to Norman early, I know that he won't be able to participate in team activities. So all the workouts will have to be self-guided. They'll have to be things that he comes up with on his own without the help and the planning of a strength and conditioning coach, without the nutritionist coming alongside of him. So he's going to have to be very self-disciplined, which I expect out of a number one, out of the top ranked quarterback in the mm-hmm. class, that discipline is already there. I expect that to continue. Caleb Williams, as I've mentioned, not a dummy. He knows what he's doing. And I'm alluding back to what I said about building that brand, but there's no, in my opinion, there's no university better at building a brand for a quarterback than the university of Oklahoma. So it's going to be a continuation of that process, whether he moves here early or whether I say here to Norman early, or he doesn't move to Norman early.
0: Yeah. And you know, you're right. He, he can't officially participate in team workouts, but he would have access to the team. And then the other part of that is, I mean, if you've seen Norman North, Norman high school, their workout facilities, I mean, it's not, it's not like you're going out to a class C school to find a barn to lift some weights in. Those are, those are good facilities. And I promise you, if, if Caleb Williams moves to Oklahoma to finish up his online school from Washington, D.C., he's good. you're going to be seeing him at Norman North. You're our Norman High School. You're going to be seeing him in one of those weight rooms or one of those practice fields, not as a part of either one of those teams, but like you said, working out independently. And, and the way it works, when, when my son committed, he, he found where he wanted to go. He committed. And then when he was able to have contact with the coaches, one of the first coaches that he got in contact with was the strength and conditioning coach. And that strength and conditioning coach said, here's the workouts we want you to do. And this is what you need to be prepared for when you're on campus. When you arrive mm-hmm. on campus, you need to be prepared to do this. And in order to do that, you need to be doing these exercises. Are these workouts, these, these but regiments.
1: Accountability is hard.
0: No, but that's the thing. If he's in, if, when,
1: when you're doing it yourself, accountability. No, no, no,
0: no, no. He's in Norman. There's going to be accountability. <laughs> there, you're you, He can't work out with the team, but you, I promise you, I promise you that some receivers are going to show up at Norman North high school Mm -hmm. and he's going to be throwing routes. I promise you that I promise you that some guys are going to be showing up and going, Hey, let's, 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 we'll drive you. We'll show you where the, where the weight room is at Norman high school, wherever he goes, there will be accountability because I know that I know this, I know he's, his mom and dad are grounded. They're good people and they're good parents. People who are, who are good people and good parents, they don't send their kid across the country with no accountability. Mm-hmm. So there will be accountability well, And, and
1: I, I, Matt, I, I know that accountability by yourself is impossible. You can hold yourself to a standard. I, I do believe that. But there's literally no accountability if you're on your own, behind a closed door, no cameras, nobody watching, none of that stuff. There, There is no accountability. That's where that discipline came in for me. Right. And so as I mentioned, these kids who rise through the rankings – there's talent there don't get me wrong but they don't do it without the discipline as well when they get to the collegiate level that discipline gets cranked up a notch because guess what you're no longer the most talented kid on campus Mm -hmm. who could cruise by without ever stepping uh, stepping foot into a weight room or doing any type of cardio because there's someone who will take your spot in a heartbeat and they will gladly take it
0: right and they've been working just as hard if not harder, right so that that
1: discipline is instilled in kids in that top 300 easily i can say that about every single one of them that there's some level of discipline it's what happens when they get out on their own does that continue Mm -hmm. and for caleb williams i think it does
0: yeah and that's going to be a fun story to watch and see how it develops so moving along on this on this segment um oklahoma has petitioned And I don't know if it goes to the Big 12 or the NCAA or to both, but they petitioned to start the season a week early. You talked about this. What this would do is they would give them week one and then a bye, week two and then a bye, and then week three, which is Tennessee, and then you get into conference play after that. The genius in this is why other conferences and other teams are looking to run away from the non-conference schedule Oklahoma saying, let's use the non conference schedule to figure out what we need to change with our protocols. We started this podcast by talking about the protocols, by talking about how things are working. You got 14 players with positive cases that show up on campus. Now, two weeks later, you got zero, zero active cases of COVID. So their protocols are working. Now you take your team and you interact with them face-to-face with another team, what do you need to change after that interaction? Best case scenario is you don't have to change anything, but they play Missouri State. Missouri State Athletic Director calls them Monday and says, hey, um, yeah, thanks for the half a million dollar check. By the way, two of our players tested positive for COVID this week. So now what do you do? Well, you have a week to figure all that out before you play Army. And then you're going to travel. You're gonna to go to New York and you're gonna play Army, and then you're gonna come home and you got a whole week to figure everything out before you have to start preparing for Tennessee. It's a genius
1: plan. You talked well, about they're not that. playing Tennessee. Do what? They're not. They're not playing Tennessee if the SEC is gonna cancel non-conference. Well, SEC games. hasn't canceled yet. I'm oh, just okay, saying. Okay. You know, I'm just. I said last week that I thought other conferences would they, follow. They suit. Might. And, I and, I get that the Pac-12 is there. I get that the Big Ten is. Yeah, there
0: Yeah, well. but look, the SEC they want to play football. And so does the Big Twelve. And and the thing about it is, is you you look look if, if OU says to Missouri State, we want to play you guys, Missouri Missouri State's coming to play. Mm-hmm. They need the paycheck. Army's independent. If OU says to Army, hey, we're we're going to come and we're going to play at West Point, they're going to play because right. they're an independent. So Tennessee, maybe maybe they they jump out of that. I I I don't know. I don't. I guess what Can, I'm saying is, if if all you lose is a non-conference opponent, is going to be Tennessee. But at this point, that game's still very much on, and you got a week to
1: prepare. I'm I'm in favor of the proposal, and if I sat on any kind of decision-making board, I would vote yes because of the mentions that are because of the reasons I've previously mentioned. But it brings up a, a really good question, and I know Matt. We talk about Oklahoma and the Oklahoma Sooners, but Oklahoma State had scheduled Oregon state for game one where they were traveling to Corvallis. That's not happening anymore. So what, what does this really look like for teams who have all of a sudden removed themselves from the equation of a big 12 program?
0: Well, I think if you're like, you know, Sorry, go ahead. You're good. You well, finish what I, you're going to say. Well, I'm, I'm
1: thinking – Because you, you, you mentioned independence, and my mind immediately began to race with this idea, and it's that the independents stand to benefit the most because their seasons are crumbling. Right, like Notre but, Dame and so forth. But, but it's, if the Big 12 and the SEC maintain the non-conference mm-hmm. portion of the schedule, guess what? BYU is going to start popping up on schedules left and right. Well,
0: do you know who else is uh, going to get a lot of phone calls? It's going to be anybody from the MAC. Mm-hmm. because the MAC was heavily involved with the Big Ten and, and non-conference scheduling. Right. So if you're Oklahoma State, I mean, hate to bring this up because I got roasted on Twitter this week for bringing it up, but Central Michigan, that, let's do it, man. <laughs> let's let's have the rematch. All right, so do you call Central Michigan and say, you guys think you're good enough to do it again? We don't think you are. Central Michigan's like, yeah, man, we just lost three non-conference games or two non-conference games. Uh-huh. We'll come and play. So, I mean, I... If you're Oklahoma state, if you're Iowa state, Iowa state lost the Iowa game. You know, if you're if you're losing those games, you're calling the Mac and you're saying, "We know you need a paycheck. Let's do it." So, I I think if you're in that situation where you're a Big 12 school that's lost a non-conference game to the Big 10 or to the the Pac-12, you still have options.
1: I went ahead and did the math because I brought it up earlier about having a week scheduled or a bi week scheduled between every game of the season. Mm-hmm. I think teams would love that week of rest, a week, an additional week to prepare for whoever their opponent is. But I went ahead, I did the math on it. The season, if it were to start a week early, like Oklahoma is proposing, whether that's to the NCAA or just the Big 12, we'll find out pretty shortly, I would assume, when that verdict is handed out. But if it were to start a week early, instead of starting in September, that last week of August, the season would technically finish a regular, regular season. 12 games will be played by January 24th.
0: Yeah, and I really don't. I think the race is to get to October. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at the news this week about the vaccines and about the, the, uh, the treatments for COVID, they're saying around October. Hey, Man,
1: I'm just giving ideas no, here. No, but
0: I, I'm just saying I think that's too much. I, I, just, I just don't think it's going to go that far. I think everyone wants to get to October. And so the Big Ten's like, let's just, you know, forget it. Let's just cut off September. <laughs> We're going to look at October, right? Because you're going to have vaccines and stuff like that come October. Well, the beginning of the vaccines and treatments. This thing, everyone's saying October, this is going to start dying down. So I think that's where, I, I think that's the race. But again, if you're Oklahoma, you've got a team that absolutely needs the paycheck that's going to come and play you. And then you've got an independent. That's two of your three non-conference games. Oklahoma, in my opinion, will play non-conference football. And since I've said that, that pretty much means Oklahoma's not going to play non-conference football. Because that's usually the way it works for me. All right, we got a special, not special, but we got true or false coming up. And it's all football related. And I get to ask the questions to Rich this week. All right, it's that time. What is becoming my favorite segment of the Sooner Nation podcast, true or false. We throw out a statement. This week, it's me throwing out the statements. And then Rich will say whether that's true or that's false. And then he has to defend his answer. And knowing me, I'll probably have one or two things to add to it as well. So are you ready, Rich? Ready as I'm ever going to
1: be. Okay, so... It's w- it's funny, Matt. Uh, I believe when we are put in this position, there's um, a little bit of a lack of confidence that all of a sudden you're, you're thinking, I'm thinking of myself, and I felt like you alluded to this last week. I'm thinking to myself, oh, crap. What if you ask a really hard one? And I'm just stumped by it.
0: Yeah, something like, uh, is Katie Cunningham the best recruit <laughs> ever in Big 12 basketball? That's a
1: good question, wasn't it? It was
0: yeah, it, it was an impossible, which I was right. Let, go ahead and, and let the listeners know. I was right on that. I, I didn't have a name, but I was mm-hmm. like, I'm sure Kansas has had someone well, better, and, which
1: is almost a no duh statement. And we did throw the name of the individual out.
0: Did we? I didn't mm-hmm. remember that part. So it's Wiggins, right? Andrew yeah. Wiggins.
1: Andrew Wiggins, the only player who's ever received the number one rating across all 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 unanimously across all rating websites when it comes to basketball recruiting which gave him the perfect score of a 1.0 no other recruit in history has done that but cunningham was extremely close at a point nine 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 which probably means one one site failed to list him as the number one overall recruit in his class
0: but the brief synopsis version is matt was right when he said false probably i'm not gonna say those words though yeah but that that's
1: that's that's what everybody knows. I, just, I don't want it on the recording. <laughs> All right, so, Let's put it that so way. So here we go.
0: Uh, five questions, true or false. Um, and we're, gonna, we're just going to pick up where we left off at the end of the last segment. So Oklahoma will, in fact, start the 2020 college football season on August 29th.
1: That's a difficult one to answer true or false, true man. Or false to, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and run with For a lot of the reasons we've already mentioned, I'm going to go ahead and run with the the statement of true. Logically, it makes sense. It allows for adequate testing to be done. It allows for adequate planning to be done as well, assuming that someone does test positive or assuming that any test previously to them playing comes back positive with less than two weeks happening before the game or less than two weeks transpiring before that game. So I do believe Oklahoma with the petition will be granted that. I don't see any good reasons. I don't see any logical reasons that that should be denied.
0: Yeah, and Oklahoma continues just to knock it out of the park with how they prepare
1: and how they play. The only thing that would put a monkey wrench into our whole system here is if Missouri State says, we're bowing out.
0: They're not going to.
1: then that's good. I agree with a paycheck on the line. But if they did decide to bow out, then this would be a moot point.
0: Right, it would be a moot point. All right, uh, so that reminds us. Never mind. I I started to chase the rabbit there. I'm not going to. All right, number two, Sam Ellinger, preseason, all-Big 12 quarterback. I already know. I'm not even. I know. I know. Preseason all Big Twelve. Sam Ellinger is always the bridesmaid, never the bride, right? So preseason, he is the pre like like 30 year in a row. Preseason all Big Twelve quarterback. Will he be there at the end of the season as the first team All Conference Big Twelve? That's a yes or no question. Okay, sorry. I'll I'll rephrase it. Sam Ellinger will be the All Conference quarterback postseason first team. False.
1: Absolutely false, 100%, and it's because of a name that's going to appear on numerous lists towards the latter half of the season in Brock Purdy. I think we have to look at what Iowa State has. They always have a big-time receiver, and I'm not talking about the tight end Kolar at this point, Mm -hmm. but they always have a big-time receiver who finds a way to make things happen. We know that Brock Purdy has the most NFL-ready arm in the Big 12, in my opinion, and and there is another candidate on that list in Alan Bowman who I think has— a very similar style of game and a very similar skill set is what I should say comparatively. But when it comes to Brock Purdy, most NFL ready quarterback... In the Big 12 Conference, I believe that he can make all the throws that Sam Ellinger can't. And when it comes down to it, this is a pass-happy league. This is a league that adopted this the spread offense early and then completely ran with it. So now that it is taking over the, the the country, the quarterbacks are winning all the awards. The Heisman Trophies, you look up and down the list, it's it's a quarterback's award at this point in time. Brock Purdy, I I do believe, unless something crazy happens, Brock Purdy will have that title at the end of the year.
0: You know, and it's here's a crazy thought uh, to to throw into this is that you mentioned Brock Purdy, you mentioned Alan Bowman, and then you got the potential, you know, you got Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders could Allen have an incredible Wallace, season. And then Spencer Rattler has a, a lot of tools to play mm-hmm. with as well. It's it is possible. See the last couple of years, here it's been, you know, it's it's been Sam Ellinger. First team preseason, second team postseason. It is incredibly possible. Ellinger is not even second team, which I do believe happened in 2018. But that said, Ellinger, again, could just fall off the planet here. Always the bridesmaid, never the
1: bride. I will say when it comes to Spencer Sanders, if he can up... His completion percentage, the accuracy, he very well deserves to be in that conversation. Oklahoma State's going to be a three-headed monster. And the last time when I think of a three-headed monster from Stillwater, you think of some of the greater teams, a.k.a. 2011, possibly the greatest team that Oklahoma State has ever fielded. But again, they had that one slip-up, and and they lost against Iowa State in a game that should have been a give-me. Needless to say, if Oklahoma State and the defense can hold up this year— like many are saying that they can and will do, again, Sanders very well deserves to be in that conversation. But if they drop four losses, all of a sudden we're not looking at him as a, a first-team, Big 12, all or uh, all-Big right. 12 I'm just selection. saying possibilities. Yeah. No, 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 I'm just saying there are, Matt, nah, we've already mentioned five are on the Davey O'Brien award watch list. It's going to be stiff competition. I just don't think Sam Ellinger is the best of the bunch, especially installing a new offense.
0: So I was reading uh, the 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 update from Kevin uh, Kelvin Gilliam, and Kelvin Gilliam is going to make his official announcement on August twenty second. It's apparently it's his mom's birthday. Uh, so um, yeah, August twenty second, Kevin Gilliam, Kelvin. I keep saying Kevin. Kelvin Gilliam uh, will make his announcement uh, where he is going to play college ball. His buddy. Uh, Damian Harmon is going to make his announcement August 1st. That gives him three weeks to determine whether he wants to play football with his bro or not. So, sorry. That was that quick update I had to throw in there. Um, Number three, sticking with it, Oklahoma will make it all the way to the season. Be it August 29th or September 6th, Oklahoma will make it all the way to the season opener with no other positive COVID-19 test.
1: True. Nice. That one's an easy answer for me. And You realize it's a month and a half. I do, but I realize the bubble. I, I mentioned the bubble that they were putting these players into, the routine testing. It seems as though universities programs across, across the country have developed a science for keeping players from being exposed to COVID-19. At the same time, there's a belief, and I don't know if this is true or not, so I don't know if I should throw out this theory, but there's a belief that once you've contracted the virus, you've built up an immunity to it and you won't get it again, which is where that herd immunity came from, that crazy thought that I threw out weeks ago. Now, at this point in time, when it comes to the University of Oklahoma, when it comes to the number of zero right now, I do think that will be persistent, and that's largely because... Of the strategy, it's because of the procedures that they currently have in place to limit those exposures and to keep that number at zero.
0: Yeah, the only thing that bothers me in all of this is when everyone returns to campus. It's very controllable right now. The, there's no temptation to go to your bro's dorm and have some pizza or go see your girl right now because they're not on campus. But once they get on campus, how does all that change? That's the only concern that I have at this point. So let's go to number three, our number four. You ready for this? Yep. Here's this is a more a more difficult one, and there's even a follow up to this one. Kennedy Brooks has the opportunity to do something that only three other players in school history have done previously. And that is rush for one thousand yards in three consecutive seasons. So here it is, true or false? Kennedy Brooks will eclipse the 1,000-yard rushing barrier this season.
1: True. Assuming he stays healthy. True. Oklahoma returning five starting offensive linemen is going to bode well for any running back in the backfield, but it's going to, in my opinion boost Kennedy Brooks to a level that we haven't seen him play at in previous years. Why? Kennedy Brooks is going to be the number one option, and it's not even going to be close once they step onto the field for the football season. Ramondre Stevenson expected to serve out a suspension. We have a transfer, which basically leaves two talented, but Majorly inexperienced, no pun intended, majorly in- inexperienced running backs to back up a guy like Kennedy Brooks for the first half of the season. His and don't numbers, forget
0: you got a new a new freshman though mm-hmm. coming in as well.
1: Right. I'm saying the number of carries goes up, Mm -hmm. which equates to the number of yards going up, but his average actually may drop. I think that's the one number to watch throughout this season for Kennedy Brooks is his yards per carry, because that'll be the telltale sign of how good he really is as a running back carrying a majority of the responsibility.
0: I think back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons is the telltale sign of how good he is when you consider that You know, he was sharing a backfield with Trey Sermon, and Jalen Hurts was the leading rusher on the team last year. Kid still eclipsed 1,000 yards. I think he does it again, and I'm going to go this far to say even if it's a reduced season where Oklahoma only plays conference games, I'm still going to say he hits the 1,000-yard mark. So here's my question for you, sir. This is the follow-up. Can you name the three previous Oklahoma running backs to eclipse a thousand yards in three consecutive seasons, two of them you should get pretty easy. It's the third one I don't know about. Really? Yeah, two of them. Easy? Two of them you should get pretty easy.
1: Well, that, I'll tell you, the first name that came to mind was Chris Brown. No, because well, you he mean, had a couple thousand yeah, yard then, seasons. I'm just saying, no, that's you're that's saying one. three consecutive, three consecutive seasons years of, of a thousand, thousand yards. yards. Of a thousand yards. Could we say I know for Adrian fa- Peterson? I, yes, that's one. I know
0: for a fact you watched two of these guys play football. I don't know about the third one.
1: So, Adrian Peterson uh-huh. for sure. I was going to go with a guy like a Billy Sims. Nope. <laughs> not that May- far back. Okay, okay. Not that far back. So, we do have Adrian Peterson. Uh-huh. I, I was just thinking the wishbone. How could you not get a thousand yards as a running back? You got three running backs back there. I know. And a quarterback. So, or are you discounting him as a running back? Adrian Peterson. Okay. Um, There's, not Joe Mixon. No. But yeah, close time frame yes, with Joe Mixon. Yes, and played for the Redskins, had the knee Are you at the line me? of Kansas. You I just blanked on his a, name. It against Oklahoma State that he took a knee. I blanked on his name. No, he, he – okay, I'm not going to argue that point with you.
0: It was Bedlam, man. He took a knee. He could have scored and he took a knee.
1: He could have. You're right. You have really got it on a recording now, Matt. I said that you're right. Yeah, you're, what's you're his name? You're
0: struggling with Samaj P. Ryan's yes, name right you. now.
1: Samaj P. Ryan would – is number two for me. I have no clue who number three is. Okay, in the 90s. I'll give you the 90s. Yeah, you got to realize I didn't watch Oklahoma football in that's the That's what I'm
0: 90s. saying. I, uh, recruited by Howard Schnellenberger. I'm, I'm extending this out for people mm-hmm. listening to the podcast who are screaming who they think they know what it is. Recruited by Howard Schnellenberger, played for John Blake, decided to leave early for the NFL when Bob Stoops was hired. If he would have played on the 99 team with Bob Stoops, that team would have been even better than what it was. Yep, no, no guesses. Damon Parker, do you, you don't even know that name, do you?
1: No, because the only name, as you begin to explain it, and it doesn't fit all of the criteria that you had mentioned. In fact, it, I don't think it fits any of the criteria that you had mentioned. I was thinking mm-hmm. Kewan Jones.
0: Kewan was a good one, but yeah, mm-hmm. Keewon, uh out of out of Jinx. Uh, Damon Parker. Funny story. I actually almost ran over him one time with my car crossing the street. He was crossing Jenkins. And just stepped right out in front of me. Like, hey, I'm Damon Parker. You have to stop for me. He <laughs> wasn't a crosswalk, wasn't anything. It's so I <laughs> just slammed the brakes. And it was it was enough that it scared both of us. We made that awkward eye contact. And then he 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 moved on. Very underrated back for the University of Oklahoma because of the time frame he played. Again, recruited by Howard Schnellenberger, mm-hmm. played during the Blake era, but was phenomenal, went on, played for the Green Bay Packers in the NFL. Uh, one of the best Oklahoma Texas games that I've ever been to in person was DeMond Parker against Ricky Williams. Oh, you lost that so, game, but it's a fantastic because, game with those two running backs.
1: Because we've gone down this tangent, let me ask you, in terms of just in the past 20 years, where would you rank him amongst all running backs that have played at the University of Oklahoma? Let, let's let's well, rephrase I mean,
0: that. you got to go back 25 years if you're mm-hmm. going to do this, because he, he was done in 98. I
1: was going to say, let's rephrase it. And say where did where would he rank if he played under Bob Stoops in running backs? Man,
0: he would be up there with the Quentin Griffins. Uh, uh, he would be better than Ronaldo Works is of the world. Be- I, I, Adrian I'm, Peterson, I'm thinking
1: you've got guys like Adrian Peterson, Peterson Marco Murray.
0: Adrian Peterson is the Joe best Mixon. running back I've ever seen on in any era of OU football. I, I my eras of OU football go back to ni- the 1980s. Okay, '85. You're old. I am. I keep I'm, telling you this. 83 was the very first time I ever sat down and really got into OU football. 85, I was fully on board for that championship year. Um, Adrian Peterson, I, I I miss Billy Sims. Okay? I, did, I didn't get into the Billy Sims era. I've watched film of Billy Sims. I've interviewed Billy Sims. But Billy Sims is not on my radar because I never actually watched him play.
1: Hey, I know I'm interrupting your segment here, but you said the 80s. No Marcus Dupree for you.
0: Marcus Dupree because he it was cut short and I know you've interviewed Marcus Dupree and Marcus Dupree was a freak, but he was not fully. I mean, he could have been the greatest in my opinion, but when you look at what he did and what he didn't do off the field and leaving early, no, he doesn't make, but Adrian Peterson for me, the top back, DeMarco Murray's probably number two. Um, but then I think you get into you know you get into the Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan's, Quinn Griffin, Quinn Griffin maybe number three just because he was so fun. <laughs> um, but I, I would say Demond Parker's in that that third tier. He was good. He was he was he had the the size and the speed and the strength. I mean he was good, and a lot of people don't remember him. Number one, because they're all young. You know, they were born in 96. And so, you know, the, this generation of oh, OU fans that's riding the wave right now, they, they, they don't know Demont Parker. But, dude, he was, he was good. Had he played for Bob Stoops. And don't, don't forget, Quentin Griffin came out of redshirt in 99 to play for Bob Stoops. And, and do you just think about it? If, if Demon Parker had played on that team, they would have been better than the Independence Bowl. And Quentin Griffin would have had another year of eligibility because most likely he didn't have to come out of out of red shirt because of lack of depth in the running back position would have changed a lot of things. But I would put him again, Adrian Peterson. And and then you get into Joe Mixon and uh, sorry, Adrian Peterson. And then you get into DeMarco Murray, Joe Mixon. And then that DeMond Parker's right there below those guys. I still have one more question for you on true or false or one more statement. Um, does that satisfy though? What you, yeah, what for you sure. Asked that was I'm just totally, I'm just curious. Totally shooting from the hip there. Um. Okay, but I do think it's cool that Kennedy Brooks would be in that elite company, and because that is that's elite company. You know, we talk about Adrian Peterson, greatest of all time. You talk about Samaj P. Ryan breaking the record, uh, breaking the the single game record. Um, and then the other records he broke at the University of Oklahoma. And then DeMond Parker, who was the lone bright spot on a bad era of football. That's good company for Kennedy Brooks to be in. Last question. Our uh, last true or false statement is this uh, linebacker. Caleb Kelly will be the comeback story of the year in the Big 12.
1: I think he certainly has potential. In fact, true or false, man, you can't. You got to say true or false and then defend it. In fact, I'm going to go <laughs> with true. Okay. On that, Caleb Kelly had a lot of potential when he landed on campus. Mm -hmm. We know that that's been derailed, and we know that he was supplanted by other linebackers who proved to be better than what I thought they initially were when they signed as a part of the recruiting class. When it comes to Caleb Kelly, we know that he was a a former five-star recruit. So again, the talent is there. I think he is an all-world person. All of the time that he volunteers... I, I, Caleb Kelly is a guy that I like to root for because he's easy to root for. And so when you ask that question, am I thinking logistically of can he actually be, can he actually be worthy of the label that you're attempting to give him? And it's easy, as I've mentioned, for me to say yes. But I may have to take a step back and say, is that something that he's really capable of on the football field instead of just rooting for him as a person? I'm sticking with my initial statement, though, and saying that that one is true.
0: All right. Cool. Um, I agree. I, I think he'll be the comeback story. I think he's I think Grinch is going to find a way for him to thrive. Uh, he He's a unique talent. And yeah, I always and, think about when it, my my highlight, Caleb, Kelly moment is basically when he bent Charlie Brewer back bend him in half backwards mm-hmm. in norman
1: it's easy to forget the speed that caleb right. kelly possesses that's a, a very good play a very good example mm-hmm. of that speed and what kelly is it is capable of if they'll just kind of remove the shackles and let caleb kelly do what caleb kelly does
0: best part of that moment is that matt wells not matt wells
1: um rule
0: yeah matt Ru- matt wells is that i'm gonna give Tech. me a yeah. hard time yeah. matt p uh, matt rule is um he wanted to flag on that play because he hit the quarterback mm-hmm. too hard. Um, okay, let's let's close out. I'm going to go back to the uh, all-conference team. By the way, the uh, the rankings, the, the preseason Big 12 rankings will come out on Friday, uh, which will be the day after we record this podcast, so we'll have to talk about those next week. But you'll be able to read our thoughts and opinions about it at heartland-sports.com once they come out. But I, I've got two exceptions really two big standout exceptions on the all-conference team. One of them is going to make Oklahoma fans happy. One of them is probably going to get, some, get me some uh, direct messages on Twitter and some emails with Oklahoma fans being mad at me. So let's start with the one that's going to make Oklahoma fans happy. We've already talked in length about Sam Ellinger. But I, I can tell you why, by looking at this list, I can tell you why Sam Ellinger will not be the Big 12 quarterback postseason. And would you like to know what it is? Yeah, please tell us. I don't know. Have you had a chance to look at the Big 12 list? The Big 12 all-conference all I, team? I
1: did. I looked at I know you put a post up earlier today. And mm-hmm. so I have looked over that list. Um, have I done any deep thoughts about it or formulated any opinions? I can't say that that's well, a true statement.
0: So let's test your memory here. Oh, you're looking at it now. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. Okay. Uh, let's test your memory here. Can you name how many... Offensive players are on the first team all conference Big 12 with Sam Ellinger.
1: Can I name how many are yeah, on there I, yeah, with h- him? H- how many? How many don't give me their
0: names, but how many players are how many other Texas Longhorns made first team offensives? Oh, one. Right. Easy. It cost me. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a alignment. And you said this about the lack of skill positions. Right. So there's there's just there's to me, if if he's all conference at the end of the season. Texas has won the Big 12 and they're
1: in the playoffs. And Sam Ellinger has posted otherworldly numbers. Right. So I I take exception to that because you, you look down here
0: and and you see, I mean, at least at least Brock Purdy would have would have had Charlie Kohler, you know, Spencer Rattler, he's not on the list, but he's got two offensive linemen. If if that's what we're that's what we're talking about, um So I just I just look at that and I think no there's there's no chance uh, for that. The other guy I take exception to, and I'm I'm curious on your thoughts here is Ronnie Perkins made this list. And now uh, I'm not doubting I'm not questioning Ronnie Perkins' ability. This kid is talented. I hope I really hope he stays for one more season so Oklahoma fans can see he has full potential. But let let's assume, you know. Let's say let's say conference play is all we get. That means we're only going to get Ronnie Perkins for four conference games, plus the Big 12 championship, plus the playoff or bowl game. We're not going to see all of Ronnie Perkins. I don't see any way, if he has to live out this suspension, I don't see any way he's on this list at the end of the season.
1: I don't know, Matt. I, I don't know that I can agree with you because I, when it comes to these selections, I do believe a lot of it isn't how you start, it's how you finish. And Ronnie Perkins has that ability. He may start very poorly. Well, by he's going to start
0: by not playing. Right. That's what I'm saying. Five, by serving out games. the
1: suspension, but he has an opportunity to make a lasting impact by doing things in the second half of the season.
0: Well, and I, I get, I get hundred percent what you're saying there. And, and I want to go back to what I said here. This isn't a knock against Ronnie Perkins, the athlete, Because I I think he's one of the best defensive linemen in the entire country. Definitely in the Big 12. And by the way, shameless plug, I find a way every week to do it. Our early week podcast next week, we're going to be ranking the Big 12 defensive lines. This guy stands out when you talk about Big 12 defensive linemen. But what stands out even greater to me is he's probably going to miss five games. And it's hard. if, If you're a running back and you miss five games, you're not going to be all conference. If you're a wide receiver, you miss five games, you're not going to be all conference. Name me a position, really, where you can miss five games.
1: Defensive line.
0: <laughs> I, knew, <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. But I, I just take exception there because I, I, think, I think talent alone, yes, he deserves to be there preseason. But when you look at the odds of him being there postseason, not at all.
1: I look at the example that was set with Chase Young. I get he didn't serve a five-game suspension. I get that. But it does show that you can miss time on the defensive line. If you're an impact player, still make that impression, still garner votes and appear on these awards lists. Missing two games
0: and missing five games, world of difference. World of difference. Okay, Because, again, he's going to come back game six. Is he going to start immediately? Maybe not. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, right. I mean, unless we're just, unless, unless I'm just struggling to get guys on the field and get their productivity, dude's got to work his way back in. That's, that's all I'm saying. Again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not dogging Perkins, the the person or the player. I'm dogging Perkins, the suspended guy, because I just, I have a hard time imagining. I Sometimes I, I get to vote on things and I look at stats across the board when I get to vote. I You know, when I, when I vote for All-Americans, when I vote for various awards, I look at stats. You look at stats. I look at productivity. No, not that's not all I look at, but I, I look at stats for every guy. When I get to vote for the Blitnikoff Award, I get to vote for the Doug Walker Award. You know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at yards per carry and the number of carries. That's what I'm looking at. I want to know how good are you across the board through multiple carries when I'm looking at the, the, the Doug Walker. If I'm looking at a defensive guy, I'm looking at productivity when you're on the field and when you're off the field. And Ronnie Perkins is going to have a lot of time off the field. That's all I'm saying.
1: Okay. I mean, it's a fair point that you're making. But if you want to look at stats, let's play a hypothetical out in that Ronnie Perkins sits out five games, returns in the the entire second half of the season. What you see go up are the number of sacks, the number of pass or quarterback hurries, as well as the scoring numbers. Let's say they're cut by fifty percent. Do you still not put him on? I get Matt. Hypothetical. Do you still not put him on the list?
0: I, I, I think it just again it depends on what what he produces. Okay. Um, now, yeah, if he comes out, you know, you know, you, you get to play. Let's say you get to play eleven games, not twelve. So Tennessee bows out, right? So, you get Missouri, Missouri State and Army. So, he misses those two games. And then he misses the first three games of conference play. But then he comes back for the last six games and he records double digit sacks. Okay. That's something to look at suddenly. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know that it's going to happen. That's, that's the whole point. That, I just, I, l- I look at that with the same skepticism because Sam Ellinger could come out and throw for 4,000 yards and run for 1,000 yards and score 50 touchdowns. He deserves to be all conference. First team. Is it going to happen? Probably not.
1: Let me tell you where I get really concerned about not just Ronnie Perkins, but the three, Bridges, Stevenson, and Perkins serving out their suspension. The wording is for a failed drug test. It's 50% immediately, Mm -hmm. 50% suspension of of team competition. If they shorten it and we don't play uh, anyone across the country – if no teams play the non conference portion of the schedule, Oklahoma's going to play a nine game slate. So he would be suspended for four. Why three? Because he's already been suspended for one. That's right. Three. We're good. Yeah. So that's, Shoot, that's that, <laughs> I, that. That one had me go on for a second. I think in four of the conference games, right. you're only going to play five conference right. no, games. No, that's if, this if they season, shorten the season, that's actually
0: better for Perkins because, you know, it's, it's fewer games suspended.
1: One. By one. Well, but still, it's fewer games. One mm-hmm. is fewer. <laughs> okay, by one in terms of the conference schedule. Right, right.
0: Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, early next week, we'll drop our our thoughts on the Big 12 defensive line, ranking them uh, from worst to first. Um, you can always catch us. We love to hear from you on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Shoot us an email, heartland-sports at yahoo.com. Hit us up. Find us online. Drop a comment, heartland-sports.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Boomer Sooner.